the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. Indeed, uh, my first guest is joining me right here. Uh, I've got Austin McCullough, who is a serial entrepreneur as well as the founder and principal consultant of Austin McCullough Advising, which he hopes to one day become the number one human capital consulting firm in the world. Um, I've been fortunate to get to know Austin over the past number of months, and uh, his work is built to help people eliminate the mental barriers that keep them from accomplishing their goals and their dreams. Austin, it is such a pleasure and honor to have you on the program. Welcome to Get Down to Business. I'm glad to be on the show. Thank you, Shalom. I'm excited yeah. to be going. Absolutely. And uh, this is a strange time, a time of, as I keep saying, physical distancing, but not social distancing. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to learn more about people that uh, might not be super close geographically. I know you are uh, you are a state or two away, um, but we love to learn about uh, amazing entrepreneurs and people making a difference. Tell us a little bit about your company. Sure. So like you said before, I run a human capital consulting firm. We work typically with salespeople, such as financial advisors and entrepreneurs. What we help them with is accountability training, you know, consistency compounds. We also help with sales training, leadership development, and also making sure to revamp their psychology to make sure that their head is in the right space to move forward in business. And how do you get into this line of work? Uh, you know, I had a period of time a few years ago where um, my life really changed. And that started out with tearing my ACL for a second time, which turned out to be a huge blessing in disguise. So now after I did that, um, I had a lot of time to myself to think a huge isolation period, which made me realize that I needed to get my stuff together. You know, I was never career focused up until my junior year in college. And doing this made me realize that um, I wanted to have a very successful career. So I needed to start paying attention to that. Over time, I've begun to realize what I was capable of. And it's very unfortunate that many people don't realize that for themselves. So that's why I like working with individuals is to really tap into that. I'm also passionate about how there's a lot of bosses throughout the world, but not enough leaders. And so I'm very passionate about leadership development to help people get to where they want to be. And I have to ask you, uh, we're looking at you on Zoom right now, and you are clearly a young entrepreneur, a young professional. Uh, how old are you? I am 23 years old. 
23 years old. And uh, how did you get started? So I actually had my first business that I started when I was either 20 or 21 years old. The legal entity was formed when I was 21. And that was a business called Supercorn Tutoring. Um, funny enough that we were located in Iowa, which was an online hiring agency. So what we did was we recruited and managed English tutors for Chinese companies. So in short, our tutors were teaching English to Chinese children. Um, we saw how big of an opportunity this was. I got in contact with the Chinese co-founder, actually on a professional trip in Chicago for the University of Iowa. And kind of the rest is history from there. Amazing. Um, so how many people through Supercorn uh, Tutoring have you been able to impact and affect? Yeah. So of course, we had um, our many tutors who were able to uh, help put money in their pockets, give them real world experience. And then on the flip side, we were able to teach over 700 Chinese children. So it was amazing to know that we had such a positive impact on their lives. Because of course, as I saw at the University of Iowa, many of these students come to America um, for work, for jobs, as well as going back to China with their, um, their knowledge of the American culture. And so, yeah, it was really awesome being able to teach so many Chinese children. So you are out in Iowa right now, I believe, and I know you have many Chicago connections. Um, what, what is the Chicago connection? Uh, how do you interact with the business community here? And, um, and sort of where's the future? You keep talking about a global company. Um, how do you plan to, uh, to get to that point? Sure. Well, of course, being from Iowa, you know, that's never known as a big business hub, but Chicago has been. And probably uh, my strongest business connection is Justin Breen. We both know Justin. Justin's an amazing person. Um, he's a caring person, super ambitious, and he saw this potential in me. And so we've been heavily connected for the past three or four months. Um, so Justin has been helping me get connected with some other individuals who are just extraordinary people. And I plan to be moving to August. And when I say plan, it's about 95% sure. So that'll be closer to 100% within the next few months. But moving there in August to really start getting situated, do more business in Chicago, and then uh, taking it from Chicago to say maybe New York, maybe not living in New York, but just expanding throughout the whole United States. And then, of course, eventually going into other countries. Uh, that's incredibly exciting. So um, you also are very passionate about travel. Tell us a little bit about some of the places where you've been and some of the some of the places uh, that you hope to uh, expand your business empire to. So I'd be lying if I said I'd went to a, a ton of different places outside of the United States. Um, farthest I've been is, is Mexico. But at the same time, like I said, um, I have a plan where actually within the next 100 years, I want each person to be consciously pursuing their full potential. Um, you know, that sounds like a very out there goal, but I think a lot of people live very unaware lives and I want to help people kind of wake up and, and become aware of what they're capable of. And so with that comes reaching outside the United States, of course, going into Europe, going into Asia, all of the continents, um, as well as just traveling, you know, I'm someone who I love mountains. And so being able to go and, and actually hike across all these mountain peaks would be just an awesome time. And there's much more outside of the United States to experience. Uh, absolutely. So uh, I'm chatting with Austin McCullough, uh, the founder and principal consultant of Austin McCullough Advising. Um, and Austin is a young professional um, and has already accomplished some pretty fantastic things. Um, so you do a lot of coaching and uh, consulting. Tell us a little bit about um, some of the uh, industries and some of the professionals you've been able to take to the next level. Yes. So what I've started working out with are people in finance. 
that's where my strongest area of expertise is. I was in financial advising previously. So working with specific financial advisors as well as sales teams, but we'll keep this bit on uh, working with the individuals and figuring out first what they really have problems with. You know, some people, their head isn't in the right mental space. They don't realize um, fully um, the situation that they're in in life. They don't realize their gifts that they have as well as they don't realize what they lack. And so it's important to, um, to work with them, ask them a lot of questions to see what they need to work on. At that point, some people really need to go back to that accountability training, like I mentioned before. And that can be where I work with them on a week-to-week basis to make sure that they're actually executing forward on their goals. Because one of my favorite books of all time, Think and Grow Rich, you know, it says it in the title, thinking is great. I believe firmly in the law of attraction, but thinking alone does not get the job done. And now many people, I don't believe are hesitant to actually put in the work. I just don't think they have the clarity. So I'm there to be that guidance forward that many people need. Uh, Fascinating. And I know you're very involved in the startup culture. Um, So how much of your time is spent uh, focused on uh, working with entrepreneurs that have already dabbled in a couple of businesses in the past versus uh, startup uh, entrepreneurs, people developing their first business? Yeah. So I'd say about 60, 40, 60% is with individuals and the other 40% of the time is working with businesses, whether that be um, a finance business, helping people get uh, prepared for their um, anything that they need going forward. And then at the same time, working with another startup business, I don't know how much into the weeds I should get with them, um, but working with the other business to make sure that they know what steps to take. Many people get scared when starting their first business, like I kind of mentioned before, because they've never done it the first time. But a lot of people, they just, they overcomplicate it. You know, starting your business, I want to tell anybody out there, it is tough, but it's not as complex as many people think. Often, if you put in the little actions day to day, you can absolutely get to where you want to be. I never tell anyone that I have all this innate ability or I'm naturally intelligent. I'm just very hardworking. And that's really what it comes back to. If you're willing to put in the action, you can absolutely get it done. So anybody can pursue their dreams. It's just important to recognize that. Well, uh, once again, Austin McCullough, the, uh, the founder, head honcho of, uh, of Austin McCullough Advising, which uh, in his own words, he hopes one day will become the number one human capital consulting firm in the world. Austin, we are running out of time and I want to make sure our listeners know how they can get a hold of you. Uh, Where can they contact you? Sure. So first off, you can contact us at our website, www.austinmccullough.com. And that's spelled A-U-S-T-I-N-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-H. You can also reach out through LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I primarily use LinkedIn and Instagram for the most part, but you can find me on all social media channels at Austin McCullough. Well, appreciate you coming on. Um, please don't be a stranger. Uh, keep us posted on your work, your clients, and all of the engagements that you're involved in. Austin McCullough, thanks so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. We'll be back uh, on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship in just a minute. Uh, we'll be chatting with Larry Kaufman, the author of the NCG Factor, Networking, Connecting, and Giving. Austin McCullough, thanks for joining me on the air. Welcome back to the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business, and I am your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. While you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week. We've got a great lineup of some additional guests coming up for us over here, uh, including my very next guest, uh, Larry Kaufman, who is the author of 
of the NCG Factor. Um, and uh, Larry and I have known each other for quite a while. I've got a copy of his book right here, uh, The NCG Factor, A Formula for Building Life-Changing Relationships from College to Retirement. There's nobody that lives and breathes this work more than Larry. Um, I've gotten to know you for uh, quite a while, and I know you've spoken all over the country, really all over the world. Um, and the book is really an extension of everything that you've been doing in the business community. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on here. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. Shalom. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and about NCG Factor. Absolutely. So uh, your claim to fame uh, for quite a while has been some of your LinkedIn speaking and uh, and coaching. How did that um, How did that get started, and how did that lead to uh, to the book. So thank you. Yes. So I actually included a story about a woman here in Chicago when LinkedIn was very, very new. I was right around the millionth member. Today they have almost 700 million members. And this woman that I had met said she had a group of 35 small business owners. Would you share something about LinkedIn? And LinkedIn was very new, a couple of years old. And I didn't know a lot, but I knew a little bit. And I said, I'll do it. And I, I thought I did a terrible job. Turns out everyone liked it because when you know more about something than everybody else, you look like an expert. So I, from there, decided to become an expert and immerse myself in it. And that expanded and expanded and turned into speaking about LinkedIn uh, as a, a trainer and a coach uh, all over uh, the country outside the country and across industries, organizations, events. And I incorporated a chapter about that into the book because I think with NCG, which is networking, connecting, and giving, uh, LinkedIn plays a huge role in that whole process. It certainly does. So Larry, you, uh, you have the term, the NCG factor. What does NCG stand for? So it's networking, connecting, and giving. So you bring it all together. It's this formula for building life-changing relationships from that onset of college all the way through retirement. Fascinating. And uh, how much of your life uh, continues to be some of the LinkedIn consulting um, versus uh, the book? And will there be another book on the horizon? That's a great question. So LinkedIn continues. Thankfully, LinkedIn is technology that keeps becoming obsolete on a fairly routine basis. And so I stay up to date. So that continues because I have a chapter on LinkedIn in the book. I actually incorporate speaking on the book and some LinkedIn, and I'll do them separately. But I'm going to continue to speak about LinkedIn because it still has a valid need in the marketplace, but I really love now speaking about the book to all types of audiences, from business owners uh, to uh, really it could be almost anybody. I've spoken to a lot of financial executive groups uh, to sales professionals. So they're both gonna continue uh, you know, on, on the same trajectory uh, because they're both part of the book and what I do day to day. Indeed you have. Um, and I know uh, the subtitle of the book 
is a formula for building life-changing relationships from college to retirement. How can you combine those two categories into the same conversation, college to retirement? Um, where's really the focus of the book? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm impacting audiences and people, you know, so if I speak to a group of, of college uh, folks or if I'm speaking to, you know, people that are nearing retirement, I think people think it's time to hang it up. So it depends upon the group. You know, if I'm speaking to college kids, are they thinking about retirement? One day they may. They may pass along some of the wisdom to their parents. But when I speak to a group like that about the book, I, I may not talk as much about retirement as I am going to focus on what they're doing today and what they're trying to think about doing tomorrow. So they're not always combined and rolled into the same conversation. When speaking to an audience that's a little more experienced and seasoned that may have retirement in their sights, then I can roll that all together. And uh, tell me a little bit about what else you are doing professionally. I know you wrote the book and that must have been a massive, massive commitment of time. I know you're doing a lot of public speaking. How does all this tie into your professional life? Well, thank you. So, you know, and what I do today, I work for a $20 billion global workforce management corporation called Manpower Group in Milwaukee. And I I run a Midwest region a division with a team of about 50 people. And, you know, we're focused in the areas of accounting, finance, tax, and risk advisory with you know, very large corporations down to, you know, middle market organizations here in the Midwest and, and helping them with some of their consulting needs, some of their professional resourcing needs, and also with, um, you know, their permanent hiring needs. And because of the economic climate today, we're adapting and we're helping our clients that are essential businesses and need our help and we need to be on site or we're adapting because we have technology on our side and we could work in a virtual environment. So my focus is to help companies putting people to work and helping those companies with the right talent that are gonna help them with their needs on an interim or permanent basis. Interesting, and tell me a little bit about your family and how they've supported you uh, along the way. So um, I couldn't be anywhere without my family. So uh, my wife said, stop investing in all these startups and let me invest in you. And that's why I wrote the book. And, you know, she's not going to let me write another one for a little while. Uh, but we've been married coming up on 31 years, uh, starting out from a, a Vegas uh, elopement uh, in 1989. And then I have a son who'll be turning 20 in college and then a daughter who's 16, a sophomore in high school. Amazing. And um, where else are you involved in the community and how important is that in your life? Thank you very much. So I do support a charity here that's in Chicago and has launched LA, the Holiday Heroes, where we help sick to terminally ill children in hospitals and bring a sense of normalcy to their lives. And I've been involved with that organization uh, on the board for the past seven years, working with Lurie's and La Rabida and Shriners and other hospitals and very rewarding, but as a connector giver, I love helping out other charitable causes and 
big passion of mine is I help out a lot of people in transition. So in the book, I've set a goal and I talk about setting goals that we could set financial and other goals. I set a goal to help someone in transition every week. That's amazing. Um, where can people pick up a copy of the book and how can they learn more about you? So on Amazon, so Amazon, the NCG factor. And I say the best way to learn about me is look me up on LinkedIn. So I am LinkedIn Larry as well. That's a name people call me and look for Larry Kaufman in Chicago, all caps. Hard not to be able to find me on LinkedIn. And it's such a common name, but uh, so easy to find Larry Kaufman, um, a international LinkedIn speaker, author of a new book, The NCG Factor. And uh, it's an incredible read. Uh, you're an incredible professional, and it's such a pleasure to have you here on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Um, one more time, how can people get a hold of you? So look me up on LinkedIn or feel free if you want to email me. I do respond, Larry.Kaufman at expeis.com. Thank you, Shalom. Absolutely, Larry. Please uh, keep us posted on your future endeavors. I know you said your wife won't allow you to write a book for a while, but um, definitely if that does happen, please do let me know as soon as possible and we'll get you booked uh, on the air. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to do it in person. Larry Kaufman, author of The NCG Factor. Thanks for joining us on Get Down to Business. Don't be a stranger. Thank you. Shalom. Absolutely. Coming up after the break, I'm going to be chatting with a retired Army Colonel, Paul Hedick, um, about some ways that you can support our armed forces. Um, you're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, and we'll be right back. You are listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. I'm your host, Shalom Klein. I'm thrilled to be joined by Colonel Retired Paul Hedick. Um, who is a uh, retired Army colonel. Um, Paul, it's such a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, Paul, uh, let's get started in talking about your background. As mentioned, you're a retired Army colonel. Tell us a little bit about it, about your background. Well, thank you. Uh, once again, uh, my background, from, uh, I was commissioned in 1987 uh, from Loyola University through their ROTC program, August 26th to be exact. And I was mandatory retired on September 1st, 2017. Um, I spent the majority of my career in the Army Reserves, uh, some in the Army National Guard, and then a lot on active duty. And I think the highlight of my career would be my five combat deployments, uh, three to Iraq, one to East Africa, and then one to Bosnia and Kosovo. And then probably my last one, which was quite rewarding, was a mobilization here in the States, uh, supporting the 451st ESC out of uh, McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas. Wow, um, that's fascinating. So, Paul, um, that's a perfect segue into uh, talking about our reserve components, which is made up of the National Guard and the United States Army Reserve. I'm very passionate about this. Um, I serve in the 
in the U.S. Army Reserves. And um, what role do those components play in protecting our country? Well, that's an excellent question and something that I think is quite important, especially these days. The Army Reserves basically became an operational command or an operational reserve in 1990, and it has been ever since then. And obviously, our mission and vision has changed uh, since 1990. But since 9-11, I think that most of us would agree that between the Army National Guard and the Army Reserves, that without those reserve components, uh, we could not achieve the various missions that we have all the way to this day. And that's everything from the wars that we fought in Afghanistan, Iraq, and the missions that we've had in Kosovo and Bosnia. And then if you're looking at, look at our current situation here with uh, COVID-19, uh, once again, forces from all components and the Army Reserve, National Guard, and active duty as well. Uh, so explain the Posse Comitatus Act and its uh, limitations in terms of uh, service. Uh, it's a frequent topic, frequent subject uh, when we're talking about where uh, folks can serve when you're talking about the National Guard and the Army Reserve. You've served in both, so you certainly understand the limitations and where each component can uh, be involved in conflict. Well, that's an excellent question, especially with COVID-19. Obviously, the National Guard is commanded by each of our governors, and they have direct command of their guard forces. Um, but we also have the opportunity especially with the Army Reserve and the active duty, to have those forces support domestic issues, such as what we're dealing with today. And in terms of posse comitatus, as you're talking about, it's very specific in terms of those duties which can be performed by the National Guard or the Army or the Army Reserve forces. Absolutely. And um, so right now, Uh, Do you know the numbers of how many people have been activated um, in support of COVID-19 efforts? Uh, Not specifically, but I do receive daily updates in terms of the Army Reserve. And we have thousands of soldiers who are supporting the current situation. And ultimately, who's in charge? on a uh, of the uh, units that are activated uh, for COVID-19 relief, um, who is ultimately the commander-in-chief? Obviously, our commander-in-chief is President Trump, uh, but once again, each governor uh, commands his unique forces. So here in Illinois, uh, Governor Pritzker uh, commands the Illinois National Guard, and he does that through his adjutant general. And then the adjutant general uh, will decide what forces uh, he needs. uh, And that's determined by those capabilities that those forces have. Uh, In terms of the Army uh, Reserve forces, uh, once again, we have unique capabilities. And the Army Reserve can be activated as a federal unit, but that comes from our commanding general. And that does not occur without uh, support from the commander-in-chief and also uh, support from the governors. Well, I've got to squeeze in a very quick break over here. Um, And when when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your background 
and ways that people can support uh, the efforts of the weekend warriors, the the soldiers that are out there uh, serving the National Guard and the Army Reserve, whether it's in our COVID-19 efforts or uh, any of the other missions that that lead to uh, to folks in service around the world. I'm chatting with uh, Colonel Retired Paul Hedick, um, a retired Army Colonel uh, in the National Guard and the Army Reserve. Uh, Such a pleasure to have you on the air, and we'll be right back in, uh, in just a moment. All right, welcome back, Chicago. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. I'm your host, Shalom Klein. I'm back with Colonel Paul Hedick, retired U.S. Army uh, Colonel who has served in the National Guard, Army Reserve, active duty. Uh, Such a pleasure to have you with me here on the air. Um, Paul, let's talk a little bit about your background. You talked a little bit about some of your combat deployments in the past. Uh, Let's talk about uh, how long you've been in the Army and uh, some of your experiences. Once again, thank you for having me on your show. Um, I spent 30 years in the Army, actually 30 days and seven days. And if I had my way, I'd still be serving. In fact, um, I did submit my retiree recall packet, uh, hoping that they would call me back. But right now, it's my understanding they're just calling back uh, medical forces. Uh, But once again, I'm a uh, civil affairs and PSYOP officer and also had branches with transportation, medical services, and Signal Corps. And I have uh, 19 additional skill identifiers. Had the option to old 12 Special Forces Group in Arlington Heights, Illinois, all the way up to serving as the commander of the 451st Expeditionary Support Command in Wichita, Kansas, which was a one-star command before I was retired on September 1st. And what is your current role, Paul? Um, how? Why are you still so involved in the armed forces? Well, I'm still very involved because once again, I think like many of us, although we retire, we're still dealing in the opportunity that we want to continue to serve however we can. Uh, I'm fortunate in my civilian job that I, I work as a police officer now, but I'm also very fortunate to be appointed as the Army Reserve Ambassador for the state of Illinois. And I was appointed in that position in 2018 by our commanding general for the Army Reserves. Uh, Lieutenant General Charles Lucky. Uh, so I serve as a special government employee as one of the three Illinois state ambassadors. Uh, that's fascinating. So what are some of your responsibilities and roles and requirements in that in that position? Well, the Army Reserve Ambassador Program is it's a key outreach program. And one of the ways that um, we serve in these positions and one of the tasks is that we have significant ties to our communities, uh, both at the state and local levels. And this allows us to develop awareness, uh, advocacy for the Army Reserves, uh, develop bridges between the communities and the nation. Um, It's a a way for us to continue our service after retiring and returning home, uh, where we will be here for several years Uh, Unlike many others who perhaps come into a certain command position, serve for two or three years, and then go on to another command. Uh, Many of us as Army Reserve Ambassadors were appointed for a three-year position, and then we may have the opportunity to continue to serve in our position for another uh, term. 
Fascinating. And um, we know that right now people are very fond of uh, seeing a soldier in uniform and saying, thank you. Thank you for your service, that sort of thing. What are some, what are, uh, what's a more appropriate way that people can show their appreciation and actually uh, help those that are serving in uniform, helping in the current response efforts to COVID-19 or any of the other uh, situations around the world? Well, I think that's a great question and a great comment. I think one of the ways that uh, hopefully your listeners can listen to um, your listeners can think about all of us who serve in the reserve component, the reserves and National Guard is uh, being twice a citizen. Uh, that's kind of uh, one of our mottos here in the Army Reserves is twice the citizen. That means that we're serving uh, both the Army Reserves, but we're also having to maintain our civilian jobs, our positions with any sort of other organizations we have, but probably most importantly with our families. And that can be challenging, uh, especially in terms like this, where we have a national crisis or an international crisis such as COVID-19. So once again, um, as you said, and so forth, thank the service members, uh, as well as all of our other first responders and everyone else involved with the uh, current crisis. Um, There's many ways to do it. Uh, Right now, I think thank you is probably the best, but there's other ways to do it through supporting other veterans organizations and so forth. And uh, for those that own companies and they might have open positions, would it be appropriate uh, for them to uh, look out to hire and employ weekend warriors? Well, that's an excellent, uh, excellent comment and absolutely. Um, you know, that's one of the, the key components to so many of us who serve in the reserves is knowing that our employer supports us. Now, obviously, hopefully our family supports us, but if our employer supports us and understands the role that we play as a reservist that helps both hopefully the employer, but helps us uh, maintain that support for doing our job as well as for serving the military. So yes, absolutely. Uh, Supporting those employers who support those in the reserves. Uh, Fascinating. And how how can people get involved in some of the organizations uh, that support uh, support the military, support the National Guard, support the Army Reserves? Tell us a little bit about where you're involved. Well, there's many different companies, obviously, that are quite friendly in terms of supporting Army Reservists or any sort of uh, reservists, be it Army Reserve, National Guard, and so forth. You know, many of these citizen soldiers bring unique skills to their civilian jobs that are also part of what they do in the reserve component as well. So it's kind of a win-win for both the civilian employers as well as for the military. There's various... Uh, websites available um, through the Army Reserve that shows some of these uh, partnerships between civilian organizations, employers, as well as the military. You can check there. Many of the veterans organizations, such as your VFW, your American Legion, your Reserve Organizations Association, your VA, they also have components and websites that have Mm -hmm. this information as well. Well, Paul, we're going to have to leave it there. We're out of time. Paul Haddock, thanks so much for joining me on the air. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Welcome back, Chicago. You're listening to the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Um, I want to talk to you about your financial goals. In order to reach your financial goals, you've got to build your business and create consistent revenue, and you have to embrace persistence. 
A couple of weeks ago, I talked about using a couple of different dictionaries to create a simple comparison between persistence and pestering and shared with you the value of continuing to reach out to your prospects and clients. The next steps aren't always so simple or at least not always easy. Persistence takes time and thought and creativity. All of these can be in short supply when there's constant deadlines, demands, and requests from existing clients and the need to deal with the many unexpected things that require our attention each and every day. Fortunately, there are numerous ways to weave persistence into our daily activities. The first one is uh, a strategy I recommend. Obviously, pick up the phone, and that includes video calls as well. Why? The sound of your voice is the best way to express your genuine interest and enthusiasm. You want them to return your calls. Remember to leave messages that allow them to hear and experience your respect for their time. Let them know you're going to stay in touch. Use the necessary tools to allow them to book a phone conversation with you at their convenience. You don't always have to request a callback. You can simply use your voicemail message to let them know you're thinking about them, that you're available whenever you can add value. Number two, email offers a great way to illustrate your persistence, especially after you've sent a client or prospect additional information. It lets them know you're available to answer questions or address comments throughout their decision-making process. Two things to remember. Number one, sending it does not necessarily mean it's received. And when they don't reply to your message, I recently found out that this can be called ghosting. You have to remember that silence does not mean no. It certainly does not mean you should stop being persistent. Priorities can change in any company at any time. Adjust the message in your email to encourage your reply, no matter the circumstances. Number three, text can be part of your persistent strategy, depending on your client's or prospect's preference. I definitely have clients that text me, not too many, mind you, but a few. And this is likely more about me than about them. I'm still not a very reliable texter, but for many companies, email lost its efficiency a long time ago. Connect and follow your prospects and clients on social media. Definitely send them an invite on LinkedIn. This way, you can congratulate them on any awards and promotions. Keep track of your company's new products or other business news and view and comment on posts that they share. And they will see your activity as well, offering them an opportunity to get them to get them to get to know you better and continue to build trust. Create your own content on social media. I realize this isn't for everyone, but if you can do it, it's a fun way to be persistent and constantly highlight your expertise and interests. Uh, my best example is my blog on my website. I started writing it 10 years ago out of curiosity with a background in journalism. The idea of the blog was intriguing. Today, this blog brings me new work almost every week often from an existing client or long-term prospect. I'm not suggesting you spend a ton of time writing, but you do find articles you can share and comment on. And share news about your company with everyone in a quick email. Your company is always growing and changing. Have you shared this with your prospects? What about any recent media coverage, awards, changes in staff? A quick message lets them know you haven't been forgotten, and it can inspire a resource that's they've been meaning to share with you. And finally, let's not ignore the value of the regular mail delivery. You know those cards and letters that arrive in a physical mailbox? I have several highly organized colleagues that rarely miss an opportunity to send a thank you note or gift card in the mail. And you know what? Those businesses are doing very well. I'm sure I haven't covered all of the possibilities for showcasing persistence. What do you think? How are you embracing persistence in your work? Share your experiences in the comments section on my website, shalomkline.com. Uh, contact me through the website 
Um, and you can send me an email, tweet me at Shalom Klein. Uh, the website shalomkline.com. That's where you can download podcasts from the six plus years of Get Down to Business, as well as get a sneak peek of who will be on next week on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Let's inspire some fascinating conversations. It's been a great lineup of some fantastic fantastic guests and entrepreneurs on the program. Uh, be sure to check out the show next week, Sunday at 6 p.m. right here at AM 560. The answer you're listening to Get Down to Business. To success, let's get down to business. I'll talk to you next Sunday. Thanks for joining me on the air. And I'd love to hear from you. Check me out online, shalomkline.com. 